Hey there, dear listener. It's Andy. Nice to see you all in 2019. It's going to be a pretty wonderful year here on We Were Gamers. We've got a lot of plans to put in motion, and you're about to listen to one right now, actually. Last year, we began a sub-pod called Subspace Transmissions. Uh, JJ and I love Star Trek, no, like, like really love Star Trek, and we talk a lot about it. And so we decided uh, to put some episodes together about Star Trek. We did two episodes last year, and they're in the feed, Subspace Transmission 1, Subspace Transmission 2. They're in the feed. The first was an intro and a rank of all the shows and where we felt they stood. And the second was a rapid reaction to Star Trek Las Vegas. We actually had a lot more episodes in the can for quite a while and lacked the time at the end of last year to edit and release them all. Over the break, there was a little bit of time, though, and it's finally... It's finally time to take a journey. Second star to the right and straight on till morning. Welcome to the new monthly feature, Subspace Transmissions. Love space. We're back from space. The, no, I heard it's the Are final frontier. Oh yeah, uh huh. That's the right one. That's the right yeah. one. Yeah, I want to watch that new Netflix, Lost in Space. You know, I heard it's good. Um, I have not seen it at or really spent any time learning about it. I like Parker Posey. Is yeah. it Parker Posey? Wait, no, I'm wrong. That's not Parker Posey. Who is it? Lost in space. I like that we do this. Uh, that we broke our rules for. Uh, research on the podcast for this. Yeah. Who is... Yeah, it is Parker Posey. I was right. She plays Dr. Smith. They changed it to a win. Hmm. Okay. I thought... Yeah. I felt like... Which is a good uh, change, I think. Ah, sure. I mean, whatever. Dr. Smith, that's just a name. It could be man or a woman, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I felt like she was involved in the project. I didn't know which character she was playing, maybe, so... The Lost in Space has always had the dynamic of, like... Um, two fathers trying to wrestle for like Will's conscience in a way. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, not the, if you. I mean, the, look, the first series is, has the same problem as the first Battlestar Galactica, right? There's really not much there. There. Yes, of course. Right. The the thing that was notable about the series was they had the giant robot, uh, and it yelled "Danger, Will Robinson" a lot. Yeah. I think I get from the trailer. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody here. There's no, but I think I get from the trailer what's going on. We can talk about mm. it off air, maybe. Okay, we'll see. Anyway, uh, ooh, not lot. No, we're not doing Lost in Space. Not now. We're doing Star no. Trek: Final Frontier, episode yeah. two of the sub. What are we calling this sub? I, subspace uh, or sub subspace trans sub subspace transmissions. All right. I'm in, I'm in. I like it. Subspace yeah. transmission number two. I like that we're going to try and do these monthly. It's cool. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. It, I like having an excuse to watch Star Trek and uh, th this is as good as any. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it and watch some Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, after we recorded the last one, like the next day was just like sitting around like trying to think of like, uh, I am like, I put on a video or something here. Like, Oh, I should just watch some Star Trek. Yeah. I totally did. Yeah. I watched the, uh, the Enterprise, or not Enterprise, uh, the TNG double parter finale. Well, now I have the excuse. I told, uh, Katie, I said, well, we're doing this thing for the podcast now about Star Trek. So I have to at least rent one month's worth of CBS All Access. So I got pre approval oh, on that. You know? There you go. <laughs> there you go. We're Business not doing expense. that today, though. What's that? It's a business expense. Oh, I really wish that we could make a nine ninety nine on this podcast so I could put that as business expense. <laughs> I, I really wish that this podcast was a business. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't even list it under the hobby section of my taxes. We don't make any money on it. 
If you would like to give us money to make this podcast, yeah, CBS, email us listening. at <laughs> podcast at wewerecamers.com. <laughs> Uh, in trip in true we were gamers fashion uh we're gonna be so topical uh on hot internet memes that we're gonna be a month behind probably on this one but uh yeah probably (laughs) that's the that is also the true we were gamers fashion true that true that i saw a poll on i think star trek did it star trek um put it on twitter and they had a list and they said who would you like to be your no who would be the best mentor i think is how they listed it which captain and they had picard kirk cisco archer janeway and the new captain Lorca. so of course anything like this on twitter just devolves into a popularity contest basically so so picard ran away with it on twitter of course you know by 20 percent in a surprise move, he is the most popular one. So yeah, not a shocker. Yeah, not a shocker. So we're not gonna be, we're not gonna do the same thing. No, we're we're gonna say who we, we we you and I would like to be our mentor, not the best mentor, but who we would like to have been mentored by. Yeah, All right. I think that's a more it's a much more interesting question, just because. And like, uh, anyway, we'll get into it. There's definitely some pl- pros and cons to everyone. Absolutely. Here. And um, I'm going to straight up caveat from the start here that we can't do alt-universe captains like Evil Picard or anything else like that. Yeah, that's probably good. I think it's also good to probably nix Riker, LaForge, Worf, Spock, anybody that became a captain in a different series or something like that. Oh, that's true. Spock did eventually become like an admiral and all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. Like, in like the, Admiral Spock and LaForge definitely had his own commands in yeah. uh, later series, uh, I think under, by what, Voyager? Definitely by Voyager, because co- they come back and they contact LaForge, I think. Right, yeah. Worf has his own command of the Defiant by one of the movies. Oh right, yeah. Oh man, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, he they uh he is in the Defiant like when that battle where they go back in time. I yeah, think. uh first contact. He the, the yes, Defiant, first contact. The Defiant gets salvaged. It's a <laughs> Right, like it gets it basically gets blown up this and one, they like save Worf and some other unnamed people. I like that the unnamed dude that like Worf comes onto the ship with like he comes to the bridge after the defiant blows up with one unnamed dude who's like bloody and shaken and the, that dude takes over the secondary con next to hawk yeah <laughs> he just walks into the bridge and takes over like full you know yeah yeah very funny and then Riker tells they didn't, him, ha- they didn't have time to like towel off right, right. Riker's like tough little ship little anyway yeah uh wharf wharf morphed into something so great Man, it starting because like I think, man, talking about Worf would be a pretty interesting mentor. Uh, but we're that's not the discussion we're having today. He does a lot uh, of mentoring, actually. I watched he watched some TNG. He does a lot of mentoring does, later on. He does. Uh, th- uh, they get into a bunch of episodes with his son, uh, so you get a lot of that. Uh, you also get him teaching, uh, trying to teach like the Klingon ways to Picard and other members of the crew at various points during the. Uh, during the series so yeah he he does a lot of teaching whether he means to or wants to or not yeah yeah uh okay so none of those i don't think that's fair to us to try and think of every single character that's gone on to be a captain later on yeah yeah we'll stick to the the tv show primary captains and i guess also to be fair i still have not seen the uh the new show so i can't uh, answer so, about captain lorca right we're gonna have to nix lorca although just being around the twitterverse it's i don't know that i have a full spoiler ending of what happened in the first season of discovery but i think definitely that uh it sounds like maybe lorca wouldn't be on the list of people that should be a mentor okay well, like I said, I still have intent to see that show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I just haven't got around to it yet. And maybe, you know, that may be a complicated, more complicated question than people have been making it out to be. I can't, I can't say I haven't seen the show. So, Lorca's off the list already. 
Um, how do you want to do this thing? How do you want to pick? Do you want to go through each captain and say whether that's your captain? Do you want to pick your captain up front and we do the two uh, we want and then say why we didn't like the others? I think we can uh, we can keep the people in a little bit of suspense, maybe, uh, and we can announce our picks at the end. Okay. Uh, and if we can talk a little bit about the pros and cons of each and then kind of at the end uh, announce who we would choose. All right. Uh, so I'm going to... I'm going to try yeah, yeah. and maybe order it least likely, right? I'm going to guess okay. who our least likely captains are and put them in this order, starting with Archer. Okay. Um, I don't think he's a very strong mentor. I think that uh, he's a headstrong captain. He, they, they definitely they fr- frame him in the Kirk way of... You know, shoot first, ask questions later, exploring yeah. the galaxy style, fumbling around the universe. Uh, the way he gets a captain hood and a ship is through basically uh, a little bit of, uh, what would you call it? Uh, it's not nepotism because his father has passed away by the time the show starts, but it's definitely like his... Yeah, a little bit of reputation. Yeah, there. his father's reputation. Not necessarily his own reputation. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. So, I don't see strong qualities in his leadership. His crew often is more involved in situations than him. You know, Tucker and yeah. and T'Pol... It's tough with Archer to know where his personality begins and ends because everything that happens in the show is so intertwined with the crew. Like, there's never a story about just him or that I can remember anyway. I'm Maybe sure there is, like- but the stories about just him are not as strong as the stories about just the other captains like you can remember episodes about just Janeway or Cisco or Kirk or Picard like all of them I can remember episodes right. that made them more flushed out and I think the Archer's ones the only one I can think of that maybe you could count was when he gets stuck in the middle of the Andorian war mm-hmm. and he's like stuck on a planet and still somehow brokers a peace but that's also just tied up in war and it's not really about you know, like Picard sitting on a, a relaxation oh, you know, it, planet and what happens yeah. to him. It it definitely shows that he has uh, like a, a strong set of skills that he can get out of those kind of situations and, and still make a good outcome, you know, for everyone right. really uh, involved. But yeah, I mean, it's it, like you said, he, he seems to be a, he would be the kind of person who wouldn't want to be a mentor anyway. Right. Sure. Uh, because he is, you know, he's so used to just acting freely and kind of thinking and doing and that kind of he, stuff without explaining himself a lot of the time. Absolutely, yeah. I think he makes a better tactics instructor at the academy than a mentor. Sure, he'd be the guy who administers the Kobayashi Maru test or whatever and is there, like, grading people on how they do. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, so Archer's not mine. No, I I don't think I would choose Archer either for a lot, a lot of the very same reasons. Okay, all right. See, I I guessed right. I guess right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you did. <laughs> More uh, to say on Archer before we move on. I don't know. I just feel like it, I I think that his stro- show is stronger than him, which is why probably a lot of people dislike that show. Yeah, it, he is a uh, it, it, when you're comparing him, it, it's very difficult, right, to compare the captains on like kind of equal footing because the shows aren't equal in a lot of those ways, sure. right? And one of the reasons that he doesn't look as good as a lot of the other captains is because his show is not as centered around the captain as some of the other ones were. And so it makes him look worse by comparison, even if the show itself is okay or, or good in a lot of cases. Um, it, it makes him look cause he's not highlighted as strongly. Right. And that's not really, it was a decision, not a, uh, like a fault of the character, right? Fair enough. So, yeah, uh, I think, let's see, if we want to pick uh, another guess. one yeah. who, Your guess. who probably uh, wouldn't be one of our mentors, I think I would go, uh, I hate to, I hate to put him down here also, but I think I'm going to go with Kirk. All right. I was going to go strong if you made me guess next and go strong and say Kirk also. Yeah. 
Yeah, and for some similar reasons that uh, we talked about with Archer, although not all the same ones, uh, Kirk also is a very headstrong kind of character, Mm -hmm. Uh, and definitely, uh, although he does a much better job, in my opinion, uh, than Archer does of, like, explaining why he's doing stuff before he just does it. Right. Um, Some hard to tell, like, how much of that is the, like, tell the audience what you're about to do and then do it thing. Uh, or, you know, like the, the TV kind of trope of that versus how much is just Kirk being like, a here's how, like, my secret, like, he doesn't, Kirk doesn't make secret plans. He tells you what he's going to do and then he does it, right? One of my beefs with Kirk actually isn't something that Archer has a problem with, but Kirk and his bridge crew have the best rapport of the entirety of the captains, right? Absolutely. There's hands down the best and most memorable crew out there um you know tng crew is very strong but they're all very strong because individually they're very fun to watch you can watch an episode about laforge without anyone else in it and enjoy it Uh, whereas unfortunately i would not want to watch some of the episodes about just check off and while some of the episodes about just sulu are memorable they're not strong right it's the the show is an ensemble show right. also yeah. right in a similar way that Archer's show is and the and although Kirk is the head and there's numerous like you say numerous episodes just about him and his exploits or whatever uh some of those again like everything there's good ones and bad ones uh but the you kind of get the uh impression that Kirk also does not spend a lot of time uh talking or explaining or thinking about his opinions he just kind of does stuff a mm-hmm. uh, very like impulsive character in that way and also like very used to being right yep. and getting his way yep. all the time so that's where i was going to go is a little bit that and something else is other than the bridge crew i'm not certain that i get a feeling that if we're talking william shatner kirk he understood much about watching out for his entire crew right like if i weren't a bridge officer or something like that or if i was a spying bridge officer i might be dead on the enterprise very true i would say that that the original series has maybe the most deaths of random characters per show right like a red shirt guy is going to die on a planet in almost every episode right and that does not make atrocious a very very (laughs) good mentor early on when we get to star trek generations the movie Mm -hmm. and he's an admiral he does get it at the very last second before he enters um the storm i don't remember what they call the storm but that ribbon thing yeah the the ripple the rift um he does shave save the enterprise b becoming that type of man right the the selfless man the one that walk finally walks away from the chair for the sake of the crew mm-hmm. um and if he had been that captain the entire series that's a different story now i'm gonna throw a wrench in this and i was planning to do this anyway i'm gonna split off alternate universe kirk here um the new uh chris pine kirk Okay, I was wondering how we were going to deal with that, because I don't think that character is the same as the Shatner no, character. No, Shatner Kirk and Pine Kirk are different. We have to separate them out. I still don't yeah. think Chris Pine Kirk is my mentor. Uh, I agree with you, um, but I don't have as strong of a uh, feeling about that character, since he's only been in, what, three movies or something, and there hasn't been as much time to get to know him, right? There hasn't. He hasn't. He's only been a movie captain. Right, Right. which is entirely unique on this list. There's no other captain that has only been a movie captain that I can think of. I mean, Sulu was in command of that one ship for a while. Sulu was in a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Excelsior. Sulu got the Excelsior. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So I think that really precludes him from from being a very strong personality he trades on kirk right like what was william shatner kirk he trades on you knowing that personality and then Mm. noticing the changes right he is more concerned with his crew and the ship very much so they made a point to change that part of his character 
yeah the, the while still a headstrong character he's not unsympathetic in the way that kirk was sometimes yeah. or uh shatner's character was sometimes right and he definitely you know you see several times he develops this relationship with um carl urban who plays uh bones and uh zoe saldana who plays uhura, uhura thank you uhura. uhura yeah and you know the they it, the movies with him and that crew work in a lot of cases because, like you said, they're trading on you knowing some things about how that original crew worked and then subverting that expectations in in the best parts, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's tough for me to, like, like I said, I don't have a great feel for, like, him as a character uh, other than, like, he's kind of a more joking kind of guy than I feel like... Uh, original series Kirk was right. Uh, and like say a little more, uh, sympathetic, which I think maybe ranks him higher on a list. If we were doing a list, yeah, if, uh, if we were doing class. a stack rank, pine Kirk definitely is above Shat Kirk. Uh, yeah. if you were ranking them, he definitely later in his career would be a much more stable Admiral, right? He wouldn't get, keep getting busted back down like Shatner Kirk, who never really encountered opposition in his yeah. career. And, you know, it's the, uh, uh, whether you, you know, Shatner getting busted back down, back to Captain, almost, I mean, obviously it's a plot contrivance for the movie, but also is like, you feel like it's kind of like the character wanting to get in trouble so that he can get back to Absolutely. the place where he was He happy, wants to be in right? the chair. Right. He wants to be in the chair. And that's the significance of that moment in Generations where he gives the chair up, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you feel like uh chris pine or the uh yeah chris pine as kirk would be more willing to make that sacrifice yeah right like out of the gate now this is where i'm gonna throw you a huge curveball i love batting at curveballs i went to an angel game last night it was fun Uh, i'm dating the podcast but uh yeah i mean okay it was fun uh pike okay so one of the reasons that movie Kirk is different is because uh, they changed the character of Pike. And I'm going to throw Pike at us because there are three instances of Captain Pike. Captain Pike is in the original series. He's in the yep. the first episode. Yep. He is a central character of the new films. Mm-hmm. Um, being in, at, in two of them. And uh, reformulates who Kirk is as a person, right? He he drags him back into Starfleet. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, he becomes a MacGuffin in the first movie, etc. And he really changes who Kirk is. And he is going to be a captain in the second season of Discovery. Oh, interesting. I did not yeah, know my, that. One of my really... Um, I, I follow an actor that I like a lot named Anson Mount. He was in uh, Hell on Wheels and a couple other shows. Um, and he's going to be playing Captain Pike. Ah. And apparently has a new catchphrase for uh, make it so engage. Okay. Uh, that he has not revealed. He said uh, they okay. they have one for Pike and it's good and that you have to watch the show. So anyway. I, um, I will be uh, interested to hear about that. Yeah. Since he wasn't on the list, I'm not probably going to pick him, but I think that he would be a cont- one of my top two contenders. Mm. He definitely, uh, from what I remember, and pretty much mostly going off the first movie here, I don't remember his role in the second one so much. I think that this is all- automatically Star Trek is going to always be a spoiler zone. So here's yeah. the warning. Khan kills him in the second one. Okay. They're in the meeting right. room and Kirk... They're having the meeting about Khan, and Khan uses like a bunch of stuff to get everybody in one room, and then kills everybody. Remember? Right. Okay. Yes. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Right. But I think it's unfair to say Pike is a good mentor because they set Pike up to be a good mentor. He is a mentor character, right? right? Like he literally mentors Kirk throughout the first movie, right? And. You know, well, or the parts that where he they're together anyway, and then uh, the beginning part, and then he is still mentoring him. You know, through his more formal career later, right? You see Absolutely. that, and yeah, 
uh it's unfortunate that we don't know more about the character and what he had done um yeah. you know we don't have more exploits of pike or just pike not yet but we will soon um so i think it's unfair to pick him because he he's designed that way in the movies and you know he was only in one episode of the original series but totally i'm excited to see him coming i thought that was a fun little side note there <laughs> yeah uh so it's my guess next i'm gonna go yes. janeway Yep, I think that's a pretty safe guess here. Uh, and I agree with you also. I think she is a good captain that helps develop people's careers. But in there's the definitely... specific scenario that they are in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, she had <laughs> to help develop people. Because that's the show. There's no, uh, there's no there's restocking no or resupply or transferring of personnel. You've got what you've got. Yeah, and there's no, and and kind of, it's tough because I think Janeway, as the you know would have been or would be a a great mentor because of the way that show unfolds, right? She definitely yeah. has a lot, would have a lot of good advice and good opinions on like how to develop your career and how to handle yourself as a Starfleet officer, you know, over a long period of time and like what sort of things you should and shouldn't do, you know, all from, and like would have great examples and like some really messed up stories to tell. Um, but you see the, the, the same reason why that show gives her those good qualities. It also has the, uh, you highlight a lot of her, like very, uh, I'm trying to think like her style of captaining leads to a lot of this where like she has a, she has a plan and she starts executing on the plan and is like, you know, trying to help get the crew along to go along with the plan. But the problem is that like what she needed to do was make a decisive action at the right, right moment. And instead she, the crew is together trying to talk it out in the ready room or whatever. Yeah, definitely. She, so it's interesting I, you're and right. She is very bendable by the a, end of the show, and it is a consensus builder. Yeah, uh, which is which is a good trait. Right. Uh, in in business and in life, you want to be able to build consensus. That's very right. good. Um, but sometimes the role of captain, you don't want to only do that. You want to also be uh, making your your own decisions. And it's interesting because the show forces that to happen to her by making her an unbendable captain at the beginning. Right. right. So yeah. her only character building is that by the end of the show, everything has to be about consensus, whereas sometimes it can be about consensus with the other captains, but a lot of times they have to step into the role of being the decider, right? And there's no chance right. for anyone to put out an opinion. And if you put out your opinion, no, you're wrong, sit down. Right. Yeah. And I wonder also, okay, let's say she doesn't go to the Delta Quadrant, right? They have that episode where, oh, we woke up in an alternate universe and we didn't go to the Delta Quadrant. Well, she's still then that unbendable captain and that doesn't make her a good teacher in either. Right. It, it's really, her character is in a really tough place uh, for like, yeah, you, you phrased it like way better than I was thinking what you were saying. Uh, and it's her character is in a really tough place because she starts off as this really rigid, I'm in charge, no one else. I don't want to hear your opinion. I'm right, you're wrong, kind of captain. And then just why they send her after Maquis. Right, because she follows the rule and she knows what the line is and the line is here and these people are over the line, so I'm bringing them in, right? Like that's the, like it's very black and white for her uh, at the start of that show. And then by the end, obviously she sees the whole spectrum of gray and, and between all that, and is, you know, much more about, like, you know, making sure that everyone is together and all this. But it makes it really tough, then, to evaluate her as she would be, uh, you know, being, you know, a mentor to someone. Well, it's because, interesting, too, because she's also a mentor, right? She's a captain that definitely has a mentorship, just like Pike. She mentors Seven of Nine. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways, she mentors Neelix and uh, the rest of the crew, you know, uh, there's no other, she's the authority figure essentially, right? For the entire ship of people, right? The whole human race in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> Basically, right? Um, so, you know, it's obviously put her in a tough situation and like, who knows 
what her character would be like had she not had that experience, right? Yeah. So we have to accept her as she is at the end of the show when we could possibly, you know, show up as a new person and be mentored by her. And unfortunately for her, that makes her not necessarily that interesting of a person uh, to to guide us. Again, she ends up, I think, at the Academy, probably teaching about the Delta Quadrant, stuff like yeah, that. It, I feel like she would be a really good uh, person on like the board of directors for the Academy so that she could like wrangle all the principals and academics or whatever and like get them to do the stuff that she wants. So uh, we've got two Academy people and I think the actually really funny Archer and Janeway, I would love to see them teaching classes back to back. That would be <laughs> really funny. I, like very anachronistic, but sure, like yeah, the, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, uh, you can imagine Janeway like yelling at Archer because he's late for like the 77th time or whatever. And him just being like, gosh, damn it, woman, don't worry about it. I'll teach these kids the right way to do this stuff. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Well, poor Janeway. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. <sighs> well, I, I like her better as a character than she got on this list. Sure. sure. Well, she she ended up high up the list. She was above Kirk. Yeah. We kind of stack ranked a little bit. A little bit. I just, yeah. All right, man. Who's it down to? So let's see. We got Cisco and Picard left. Yeah, it, this is really tough because I like both so much. Uh, I, I mean, okay, we, we can just talk about both of them here because I don't know how to pick, uh, like what I think you would do because I think there are really good qualities to both of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um. Of course, everyone, we'll talk about Picard here just because it's the easiest to talk about, I think. Sure. Uh, there's a reason he won that poll, uh, <laughs> not only because he's the most popular, but also because he's the uh, the most uh, uh, composed of the captains, Absolutely. I would say. Mm-hmm. You definitely see him on, like on, like his, his personality is on like 90% of the time, right? Absolutely. It's, and then it makes a much bigger impact the times that you see him off, right? So you get the uh, you get the effect of seeing he would be the guy who would tell you how to keep your personal and business life separate, and would be able to teach you the ways to you know oh make sure that you project authority and that you have all this respect of your crew and stuff and their opinions matter of course but you sometimes have to make the decisions. Uh, and, you know, he would be the guy who could teach you all that stuff because he has this, you know, eight seasons worth of ama- or six, seven seasons, whatever, about all these worth of amazing examples of him doing all this stuff. Right. And two very clear examples of mentorship in Riker and uh, Wesley Crusher. Right. Long running mentorships. Right. Like it. Riker comes on as an XO and he starts out being an XO that wants a captaincy. Right. Right, and he goes to the Enterprise, thinking like I've got to go to the Enterprise because if I get to be under Picard, I'll get a captaincy quickly. You know, yeah, and and like he acts kind of in a way, uh, in the way that uh, he he is very forward and out uh, and aggressive in a lot of those cases because Picard is restrained, mm-hmm. and Picard kind of lets him do that. In, you know, a way up to a point, right, right, where it becomes too much and then he reels him back in. Right. It's a, it is a, a good example of how their dynamic changes over the show of uh, Picard sort of teaching Riker to be a better captain or whatever to the point by the end of the show that everyone in Starfleet is mystified as to why Riker won't take the captaincy that he said he wanted. Right. right. And he turns it down several times or whatever. And even Picard is like. Will, what are you doing, dude? Like, yeah, like eventually they're not going to keep asking you. Like, yeah, these are like great opportunities here. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting too. Like you said, he shows up and he tries to lay the law down on Picard. He's like, "You're not leaving on away missions. You're not doing this. You're not doing that." Yeah, it's and, too dangerous. And, right? and watching Picard take it in and be like, "You're absolutely right. That's all. The, all those things are regulation, you know." And he's like, "You get this idea that he's this buttoned up by the book captain." When you meet mm-hmm. him through Riker, and you, the expectations are 
are set that that this is the type of person and and watching him morph Riker without ever really confronting him and telling him he's wrong. You know, he never shoots him down. He never does. I mean, they have their disagreements sure. and their confrontations or whatever. But yeah, they don't have like a sit down meeting being like, look, here's how it's going to be. You're wrong. I'm right. You know, that kind of a discussion. Yeah, but they, never, it's a, they never in front of the crew are like, you sit down, you're the XO, be quiet. You know? Yeah. Um, it's a fascinating relationship. And and um, it expands into their personal lives in the long run. But man, is it the long run, right? Like, yeah, wow, yes. <laughs> um, he's definitely not a captain that that would, by choice, be in people's personal stuff, right? It takes him six or seven seasons before people know that he rides horseback. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's mystified when he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go get my saddle and ride a horse." He's there like, "What? What do you mean Very you have a saddle?" Time. Yeah, what do you mean you have a life outside of being the captain? Right, yeah, so... And that, that it's really interesting because that same relationship exists with Wesley Crusher where you would think this young mind, he would have to relate to him on a personal level and it's still only about Starfleet, right? Right. Um, and he brings him up to be a respectable Starfleet officer in a, in a way. And you know, the... The Wesley Crusher and the Captain connection is really interesting, too, because you see, like, a difference. It it allows Picard to show a side of his personality that we don't get to see with a lot of the other captains. Is like, how he feels around uh, children and and fathership and that kind of stuff. Uh, We do get some of that with Cisco, who we'll we'll talk about here in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, But you don't really see any... Uh, you see that Picard, uh, not having children of his own, right, is very kind of standoffish and uh, uneasy with children. I mean, there's that episode where he's literally hauling around a bunch of kids. Uh, and then the, where's and, the other one? Picard Day? Yes. Yes. Uh, and, you know, he's clearly just like, okay, like, what do I do with these mini people? And, like, he doesn't understand how to relate to kids or whatever. And he literally solves that problem by making the kids his new crew. Right. And, like, having them help him through whatever the situation, how he would, as if it was a bridge of a starship. Right. And so you get this impression that, like, he can only think of things in this, like, you know, it, it, this is a business and a work situation. I need to be solved this in a business and a work way. And <laughs> yeah. anyway, the, the whole, that whole episode is ridiculous, of course, but the, it, it shows that he's very focused on that task and on that calling. Right. And it's, it's cool that they use the movie to the generations movie that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. to really explore what it means for him to have personal connections sometimes. Um, and it uh, feels like a lot of the times with Picard, his personal connections really are sad. Like his brother, um, you know, the personal connection with his brother kind of like losing him to dementia, basically, right? Um, yeah, it goes bad. And then and then in the movie, his nephew, he loses his nephew as well, right? So Picard's personal life, it's, it's amazing to watch it not bleed onto other people. Um and that's kind of what you were talking about where he, he, he's going to teach you if you're he's your mentor about your Starfleet career, right? Right. And he 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 knows what it is to be a exemplary Starfleet officer and he will not only show you, he will tell you how you what you should do with yourself in order to be one of those, right? Mhm. And as his, and you can sort of see that because like the, the thing that Picard does better than a lot, like, you know, we've been talking about it. He keeps that personal side separate. And that's like a very, that takes like a lot of strength of, of will and like character to be able to set aside all those very powerful and difficult emotions and like focus on this other task and do this other thing. And like, that's not something you can just do, yeah. right? That takes that takes practice. It takes it's a skill, right? You have to do it a lot, and you have to be good at it. And 
that's not something that we can say that all the captains can do. And one of the things that makes him a, a wonderful, I think, mentor is watching him understand each person under him that he does mentor. And one of the ones that I keep coming back to in my thoughts right now is Worf. Picard, unlike any other captain, even Kirk, understands Klingon culture the strongest. Oh, yeah. He like he speaks Klingon. He way, he's fluent way in Klingon more than, law. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the show, he's like on good friends. He's good friends with the high chancellor and well, all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he helps subvert a revolution, right? Yeah. Um, and because Klingon culture is so important to making Worf be able to live inside of Starfleet, but also still be a Klingon, right? The way he wants to be. It makes mm-hmm. Worf a better Starfleet officer if Picard understands why he is the way he is, right? And the why he needs to be this this a grounded in a different set of um, uh, social mores, right? Yeah, it, it- he understands that the culture that he's coming from has this expectation of him and he's reacting to that. And Worf is reacting to that. And if right? he's going to make Worf, who is the first Klingon Starfleet officer into something that will be modeled in the future, right? He, he understands, I think that Worf has on his shoulders that he has to be this model for Starfleet and for the Klingon empire. Right, because yeah. eventually, at some point, they're going to try and integrate, right? Mm-hmm. That then Picard has to participate in what becomes Worf's social life in a way, right? He, the, he, his connection to his son, his connection back to the Klingon Empire, all these things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and some of that gets uh, foisted on them, uh, you know, through circumstance or whatever. But you know the. The way that Picard handles with something that, you know, would be basically a personal matter for Worf, Picard can understand that in in some cases, right, this personal matter needs to affect the whole crew and the whole ship because of who Worf is as a singular individual, as a the only Klingon in Starfleet, right? Yeah, and and I can think of a thousand scenarios where we've talked about what Picard can do in in the workplace essentially in Starfleet with other humans and other people that are familiar with Starfleet and 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 those types of bosses exist in the real world, right? Um mm-hmm. bosses that may not get into your personal life very much. You know, I've had I've had very good bosses and mentors that that either get into your personal life a little bit or don't. Um but bosses that handle different people differently like Picard can with these examples, right? Of different cultures is, is a very unique Mm. trait that makes a good mentor. Yes. And the, yeah, like you said, it's a very, it's a very unique trait for someone to be able to intuit and understand how you need to treat someone based on who they are versus what you need them to do. Right. Right. Exactly. So I I definitely believe Picard belongs at the top near or near the top, right? Like it was a popularity contest. He was always going to win on that poll that we talked about earlier. Of course. Um, but not for lack of like, it's not like he was a bad mentor and, and he didn't deserve to be at the top. Um, Agreed. Uh, uh, but he's pretty good. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say neither of us are going to pick him. Yeah, I'm really torn. I. So, I mean, you know, the elephant in the room here is like, what about Cisco? That is the elephant. And I think Cisco has. And some of it is. Should the, we do Cisco's again, qualities and then pick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just really think we have to do Cisco before. Because. Yeah, I see why Cisco has a lot of flaws. Absolutely, and Picard, his flaws are you know he's one of those guys in an interview who's like my flaws are strengths. Totally, and absolutely, Picard, if you in a job interview would say like, well, my flaw is that I'm 
I don't have a lot of a personal life that I will ever tell you about. <laughs> and, and you're like, uh, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas Cisco will then talk to you about for half an hour about how he failed as a father and as a husband and as all these other things. Right. And you're just like, okay, I just wanted like two bullet points here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're like, I want, he's the boss that you wanted a short conversation and there's two different types of people where you walk into the office and like they'll go off on a tangent about the thing you want to know about and not give you the answer until 30 minutes in like mm-hmm. well the history of this you know like uh, hey um boss we need to change the transponder codes um you know, like on the, on the deflector, on the deflector array, array like, or whatever. And then they'll be like, yeah. so did you know that like when they originally picked this frequency, they picked it because of X, Y, Z and the history and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, Oh, please stop. I just want an approval on this number that I gave you, you know? you know, Right. And instead with Cisco, you get, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let me take a look at that. And while he's taking a look at it, then he starts talking to you about the like, hey, I saw you walking with this person the other day, and you know, here's a story about when I first met my wife, or so you know what I mean, like, right? He would, uh, you'd be having a off-topic discussion about music, and he would tell you about a time he went to a jazz concert and jammed with the band for two hours, and it was the best experience of his life. Those are the types of bosses you. That are fun to interact with, although you probably have less productivity. Absolutely. He would be a terrible uh, person to try to manage for those reasons. Right. If you were above him. Right. right. Like, yeah. The, the admiral overseeing DS9 is like, has to be constantly infuriated with Cisco because of just <laughs> Cisco being himself. I've never. He's just like, can you just answer the stupid question? I'm in this meeting to you. I just want the status of what the Bajorans are up to. And you're telling me about baseball. I don't care. <laughs> I've never thought about, I know there's admirals he interacts with on the show. And it's, it's obvious that like they come in just for plot points. Right. But I've never imagined totally. what it must be like for their monthly check-in. That's not the plot point. Right. Right? Like, what... So, I thought about... Like, I weirdly thought about this a lot. Like, what DS9 is like on the, like, boring days that you don't see on the show. Right, because the boring days on the show are always a a story about O'Brien or somebody else. And, like, what their wacky thing is that happened because nothing else happened that day. Like, where's the just normal day on DS9? It's just like, oh, here's a normal operations day. There's, like, a ship that comes in and out of the wormhole and, like two people are sick and like someone on the promenade gets in a bar fight because they were drunk. Like, it's just not, it's just normal city, like space. That's life, a very right? Babylon and five thing. Totally. And the, so you think that then as Cisco, who has this, like probably like the most diverse range of interests of any of the captains, I would say, uh, is a very well rounded character and captain. Yes. And he would then, like, he could be up to anything. You don't know what he would do on a normal day because the guy does so many different things. Like, what is his, like, quote, average day? Like, does he go play baseball? Does he, you know, play music? Does he do, like, talk with Odo about philosophy? Or, like, you know, who knows? Because we've seen him do all these things on, like, you know, not exciting missions before. So, like, what is his standard kind of day? It would be, he would be more exciting to be with because you never know what you're going to get from him. Not that any of the lessons would be, like, you wouldn't have to learn by counterexample, maybe, the way you would uh, with some of the other people. Uh, you would just get an exciting experience being mentored by this guy. And it's interesting that we ended up with the last two captains both being philosopher captains. And captains where you wouldn't be sad to explore some thought processes with, right? There's, again, that same example of that boss before where it's like, I'm going to give you a history lesson, right? Because, Mm -hmm. like, you haven't been around long enough to know these things. And, like, here's the, like, me teaching you this multiple times because I'm, I'm helping you learn. And his philosophy and Picard's philosophy are not that. They're, well... 
why do you think that that decision's the decision that gets made? Or this is fascinating, not because of the history of it, but because it what it could mean, mm-hmm. right? Like, what There's, are the implications? What is the future? What is the and teaching people and like as a person who works in an office and has had to sort of mentor younger uh, people at the office than myself, I recognize that ability as being really important because getting someone to think about what is the solution here to this problem is all well and good. But mentorship is about teaching them not only to solve this problem, but how to solve other problems and this problems like this or how teaching them how to think in a way that they can know what the solutions to the problems are without you needing to be in a way that doesn't turn them off from learning about stuff in the future. Totally. And so you want them to understand the context and the implications and all this stuff and getting people to think about that stuff is really, really important. So like you not just see the action that I'm advising you about here, but like, what are the implications of that action? Why did I come to this decision? What did I think about in deciding what I think is the correct action here? And, you know, understanding all of those things can serve as a model for someone to like, oh, what are the things I should consider when I'm trying to do a thing? Right. And, and I think Cisco maybe is much more likely to be able to talk with me about that process. It's right? interesting how he also uses... Because he uses that yeah, language right. a lot. Yeah, he uses that language, but he also uses it in places you don't expect. Like, he uses his distractions as teaching opportunities. Like, he drags the crew into baseball, and initially you kind of like, this is a weird hijinky thing that, haha, Odo and the Ferengis and them don't play baseball very well, but like... Sure. It's also, he, he's very serious about using it as a teaching moment. Right. He has, like, a, a, a set of lessons and stuff he wants to impart here. Um, and instead of saying, okay, t- today, class, we're going to learn this. Yeah, here, everybody come to the conference room for a meeting about team, teamwork. Here's right. my PowerPoint presentation about being a team. And, and it, is a, it is a learn by doing rather than a, a learn by showing, right? right? Uh, and I think he would be a very hands-on type of person in that way, uh, which I think uh, personally as a as a fan of learning by doing as opposed to uh, learning by teaching. What's the interesting way about learning about teaching that way is that you can't in an office setting um, learn people's – and I don't mean an office setting, but I mean a sterile setting like a conference room. Um, right. You can't learn people's weaknesses without interaction. You can te- you can tell or show interactions with others and workshop them that way. But you can never mm-hmm. be under adversity until you do, right? And and playing baseball or being out on the defiant with different crews. You know, he never takes the same people out with him or stuff like that. Right. Um it really it it creates a different dynamic with his character and adding people like O'Brien and Worf into the mix who are very different than the Bajorans and the Odos. He manages a crew that is nowhere near as homogenous as the Enterprise. Yes, and the fact that he is constantly then, you know, confronted with different problems from people who are not his people, right? Like the non-Starfleet people in his, under his, you know, watch or his care, right? And he handles their perspectives and their problems with the same care he would with his own, right? And that's a a trait that I think is very, that sort of empathy to have uh, with other people is very difficult to to have. And it's something I think that people should aspire to. It's also crazy to think over the course of that show, once you see what happens at DS9 and what probably happened before he got there, I really wonder how that whoever picked was like Cisco's the guy to solve DS9. Yeah, you especially in light of some of the stuff that I was talking about before, like how how did that guy get picked, man? Yeah, how did he become a captain in the first place? Yeah, he's definitely not like a he's not a, a first choice captain. That's interesting. It's an interesting part of his character for sure, and but you know, and you I, and then you later think, on in the series you add in his son, right? 
Totally. Um, and, you know, that's a completely different dimension to him, which, uh, like you said, you know, it makes him the much more rounded yeah. character than we get from a lot of these I'm, other guys. So Kirk and gets ladies. a son in the movies, but the relationship was never there. Um, mm-hmm. None of the other captains really have kids. What's interesting about Cisco to me, I, I think we've said interesting probably a thousand times on this podcast. It's one of those words, man. That's a, it is one of those verbal tick kind of words where like you really should find a better yeah. word in most cases. Right? Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> um, interesting. Yeah. Cisco possesses a quality of, of imperfection that just is not there with Picard. And I think that that creates a different legacy in Cisco than it does in Picard. If you were in Starfleet and you said you got, you were even on Picard's crew, people would be like, whoa, you got on the Enterprise, right? Like you were with Picard. Right. Um, if you got mentored by Picard, you'd have this sterling reputation and it would probably make mm-hmm. you a very, very capable officer. Absolutely. If you got mentored by Cisco, you'd probably hear some interesting or like, huh, or some people would kind of be like, oh, really? And you'd wonder what like, they meant. who's that guy? You know, with their tone and other things like that. But yeah. you might also become an even... Do You have a 50-50 shot of being an even more capable Starfleet officer, I think. I think the thing that's uh, that Cisco has over Picard here is that, and I think, I guess, we're sort of letting the cat out of the bag that we would both probably choose Cisco. Uh, the Cisco has, he very, he, all the captains have, you know, times when they failed, right? I mean, it's part of the show. You have to show the, you know, in defeat and also success, but Cisco very clearly knows and talks a lot about his own failings and would be a lot more apt to show you and teach you about a way that he failed so that you don't have to. And we don't see Picard spectacularly fail inside the show. We have to wait until first contact before even things really go sideways on him. And we see that Picard does not handle failure even as well as Kirk handles failure. Like, and that's exactly where I was going. You took it exactly to where I wanted to say. And that scene in first contact with him and, uh, I forget the lady's name in the room, in the ready room, right? With all the model ships. And he's like, and they push us and we fall back. And then we fall. And like, like the line must be here. Like he does not handle it well. He is not, you know, when things have clearly gone all the way sideways and off the rails, yeah. Picard is not the kind of person you would want to have you know, pushed all the, all that way. Right? right. I mean, he obviously went through something with the Borg that no other captain went through. Right. Um, absolutely. But in the hot moment of, of losing his crew and losing his son and, and Spock and everyone else, Kirk is able to make tough decisions quickly sacrificing ships you know he blows up the enterprise to get his crew away things things like right. that he can make those decisions faster and stronger and quicker than any captain on this list he's the most intuitive absolutely and he he's willing to make those tough choices that picard even can't make yeah and that is the the downside of Picard here, right? Is that you see it, you know, from the experiences that we have, you know, he, he does not, he, he, everything always, you know, he's always in charge and in control and, you know, uh, and either at ease or able to make himself at ease in all the situations, except for when everything goes wrong. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, <sighs> He's always been there to make a final decision that can solve or create an exit to a scenario. In, even in the Borg situation where he had to make choices, right? And 
Right. And he saved his crew by making a choice. And so he was somewhat successful at the end of that choice. Cisco very often has a, a lose in his scenarios. He can never yeah. make a decision in the show that nets him a complete win. And, you know, the the show is almost built in this way that every you see that every decision Cisco makes some, you know, there are, he he almost literally has to pick sides and one side wins and one side loses. Right. And it's the fallout of that stuff that creates the tension and the the ongoing storyline of that show in a lot of cases. Right. Picking Odo over the uh, what the founders or right. Yeah. Over those people and like, you know, choosing to believe in Odo as a person versus, you know, uh, just some member of their species, choosing the Bajoran's perspective over Starfleet, choosing, you know, all that stuff. And there's no like way for him to make a choice where everyone comes out better in a lot of cases. Right. And that kind of experience is a lot more true to how life is than what, you know, Picard has to contend with. So I think you're right that we did let the cat out that Cisco makes a stronger case for being able to make decisions in that universe. Yeah. You can see that like Cisco has, or like, you know, in my head, you can think that Cisco lies awake at night being like, man, should I have done the other thing? Like frequently. Right. And, you know, Picard is, sleep soundly every night because he knows the choices that he made and is comfortable with them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's a, it is a tough, tough uh, thing to have to make decisions where, you know, some people are going to come out ahead and other people are going to come out behind. Um, So, you know, I, I think in that respect, Cisco would have more to, to show, to tell and to, um, you know, more, uh, has more experience with that set of problems. Yeah. I, I really do feel that one of the things is until we get the Picard movies, he's less real in a way, right? He's more oh, totally. legend yeah, and yeah. less real than, and totally. they try towards like, the end of that show. They really do to they, humanize, they Picard, humanize yeah. him. Right. Um, yeah. It, it, and you know, and some of that is the fault of, you know, the show and kind of the, the serial nature of it and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but you know, unfortunately, it leaves us with the character that we have, and um, in that respect, Picard's kind of best trait is also his failing here as a mentor. <laughs> yes, as a mentor, yeah. right? Right on, man. This was a fun exercise. Absolutely, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> this is a great little subseries. I think we've come up with. Um, we'll be back probably next month with another episode of our subspace transmissions probably pick another themed topic before we get into specific episodes i have a clarification and news for you at the end of the pod here uh last time we were on we were talking like oh what's the next movie and i said it was going to be a tarantino movie Uh, Mm um it's not inaccurate but it is inaccurate there are actually two star trek movies in development star trek four with the crew the current crew chris pine crew and okay. then the Tarantino movie is still being written. Okay. So that Star Trek four movie is probably happening. Uh, then? Yeah. It's in pre-production, like ready to, ready to start shooting almost. Okay. So like they have like plans yeah, they have a script and, and money is, money is, money is involved already. People are signed. Tarantino writing a script means that like he wants to do it. Oh yeah. And who knows? Who well, knows what It's been means. approved and I think it's been optioned. Uh oh okay someone already opted yeah, it and they're stuff working already. on that's it. like farther along yeah, than I thought they, it was they, it's happening it's just not as far along as Star Trek 4 and I can't find information I couldn't find it after we talked about it about like I don't think it's that crew I think it's a Star Trek story it's like Star Wars stories you know the side solo and Rogue One and that sort of stuff I think we're getting a Tarantino Star Trek story I don't think we're getting a Kirk uh. Tarantino movie Okay, so this is a Star Trek universe yeah. story. Well, that's cool. I mean, I I like that stuff also. That would, so. I mean, that's straight up legit. I I'm excited. I I can't imagine they would drop the ball on this. 
No, no, you would think it should be good. Uh, the universe is big enough to accommodate that stuff, so I hope that and it's they can, good. If, they, if Tarantino it's too writes crazy, they just put it in the alternate like. universe, you know? Yeah, it, <laughs> Star Trek has a long and storied history of alternate universes and mirror worlds and all yep. kinds of other mm-hmm. stuff, right? So if they think it's bad or it doesn't fit the tone or whatever that whoever the person that runs that universe is, which is there even a person anymore? I think right now it's J.J. Abrams who's managing the the side universe with Chris Pine. So Okay, yeah. So. I think that, that will probably slot in there is my guess. They're not going to stick it in the normal timeline. And that's sure. fine. Uh, you know, th- that universe is, is young, uh, mm-hmm. as it were, right? Yeah. We know very little about what happened uh, in it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't so, remember where they fit Discovery in. We'll find that out for next episode. Yes, that's a good point. I had not considered that. I forgot that the movies broke canon with everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I knew it intellectually, but I did not connect that to the idea of the new series. Right. I didn't so think which about which yeah, continuity which continuity does the series fit in? Anyway, if you know which mm-hmm. continuity the series fits in, where should you send it? Uh, that's going to be podcast at wewergamers.com. Uh, we will absolutely read any and all uh, subspace transmissions from you, the people, uh, that are sent to there. Uh, and, you know, you can uh, give us some reviews on iTunes and Google Play, uh, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Uh, we love that stuff, uh, and we would love to hear from you uh, about all it. All right. Well, live long and prosper, people. Live long and prosper. <laughs>